0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. What Was That Like contains adult language and content
1: and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. I have got a fun story for you today. Our guest for this episode is Dave, and Dave recently found himself $113,000 richer, and he attributes that to some practice, some luck, and a pretty good talent for solving word puzzles. He won that money by being a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. We discussed how he prepared for the game, how he actually got on the show as a contestant, the special instructions they were given, what Pat Sajak and Vanna White are really like, and how he's handling taxes on the winnings. And there's a bonus story toward the end of the conversation about how Dave actually saved someone's life. And that's unrelated to his game show appearance. On the website for this episode, you can see a video of Dave solving those puzzles and winning all that money and a trip to Barbados and a new BMW. And if you'd like to join the other listeners who support this podcast, you can do that at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. And now here's Dave. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You know the funny thing about Wheel of Fortune is that everyone, everyone's watched it. Obviously, it's pretty universal. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody knows, you know, how it's played. And then, and I'm sure a lot of people kind of like Jeopardy. Sit at home and think, oh man, I, if I was on there, I'd be winning every time. How nervous were you when your game first started?
2: Uh, truth be told, I wasn't uh, incredibly nervous because I had been riding the the calm wave of a CBD gummy that I had eaten about an hour prior. Uh, so I took proactive steps to to mellow myself out and get myself centered f- before I started the game. So not not too frazzled. Uh, a lot of deep breathing and and calm.
1: How long in advance did you prepare or plan to to go on the show? So I had actually been
2: auditioning for Wheel of Fortune. Probably a little over 10 years. I think the, the earliest memory I have when I was uh, like 21 or 22, and uh, I could attend the audition events at, at local Indian casinos. Uh, so, you know, I'd been trying for, for quite some time, but for this particular go around, I auditioned at the Great Indian Casino about an hour north of San Francisco back in September of 2019. And my episode ended up airing on April 8th. So, you know about a half year's time between auditioning and actually seeing myself on TV
1: there's just a little delay there yeah definitely is that the normal way people get on the show or i thought they had to like send in a video tape or or something of themselves
2: it's it's definitely uh it's one of multiple options so uh some people do submit audition film online uh so you can record yourself at home being you know over the top exuberant ebullient you know, show off your homemade wheel that you may have made. Um, People come up with some pretty clever things uh, for their online video submissions. But the alternative is to attend an in-person event with what they call the wheel mobile. So it's a big old Winnebago RV that they've decked out with the, with Pat and Vanna's picture and a picture of the wheel. And uh, they have a, you know, a local crew that kind of does contestant pre-screening at these events.
1: And that's how you got on.
2: Exactly. But um not even in the in the typical way. So at these events it's kind of open to the public. You show up, you put your name and contact information on a a little colored ticket. And they put all these huge, you know, tickets in a huge drum and then they draw people up, about 5 to 6 people at a time, and they bring you up on stage to do a little bit of the chit-chat interview with the the fake host and then after everybody's done their little personality expose, then they have you play a a mock version of the game, which is a little bit more low tech. So instead of the monitors with that, you know, Vanna will would sashay across and touch letters on the screen to reveal. It's just a a bunch of whiteboards, little whiteboard tiles and a, and a marker and they, they fill it in by hand. It's, it's pretty adorable.
1: When, when someone gets selected to be on the show is it kind of like a vacation and they, they fly you out there and pay for everything or couldn't
2: be further from the truth. So it's actually one of the reasons that they offer a guaranteed thousand dollar minimum to appear on the show. It's because that's kind of like their thank you for paying your own way to and from Los Angeles to, to come to your taping. So you're required to pay your airfare, your hotel, you know, if you want to stay with a friend nearby um, you're welcome to do that. They do offer like the Sony, discount rate at certain hotels nearby in Culver city that are easy to get to the studio from. But other than that, you're paying for your meals and your airplane ticket and your hotel for the, for the journey.
1: When you're at home, do you usually watch the show and you, and solve it before the contestants do on TV?
2: Uh, I I fancy myself a pretty decent puzzle solver, you know, as, as was evident during my episode, Um, definitely like watching at home. uh, I'm pretty fond of yelling at the TV and, and, You know, I would watch with my parents and they'd be like, how, how did you already get that answer? It's like, well, I've been staring at these puzzles long enough for almost 25, 30 years. You you get used to certain patterns and uh, a lot of that just becomes obvious.
1: Did you have a particular strategy for preparing for the game?
2: Yeah. So when I found out that I was going to be on the show, which was, um, I think I got my letter in the mail around mid February and at that point I I was unemployed for reasons entirely unrelated to the ongoing pandemic so I had a bunch of free time on my hands aside from raising the puppy so I started playing the Wheel of Fortune mobile game almost as a part-time job probably 15 to 20 hours or more a week for the month leading up to my show and that mobile game uses puzzles old puzzles from you know previous seasons in the show so you kind of get used to seeing historical puzzles seeing what's been used figuring out the patterns fi- figuring out you know words that get repeated pretty often that sort of thing
1: and that's that's an app on your phone
2: yeah it's called wheel of fortune free play it's like the official sony sponsored uh mobile version of the game
1: okay all right and we should mention we we hear uh we hear the puppy there in the background we
2: we do sir augustus theodore corgington esquire is being uh, a little chatty this afternoon but um
1: and uh, I know you mentioned the pup on the show. And um, when you said that name, Pat kind of made a joke about, I forget, what what, what was it he said?
2: Uh, he said it, it's, you know, even just naming him, it sounds pretty exhausting. And I, I had to concur with that.
1: <laughs> well, that is a long name.
2: I just don't think he's, he's used to, he's not used to me wearing these headphones. It's something new that he's never seen before. And he's just kind of.
1: And he's hearing your voice and not getting all the attention probably too. Exactly. Right? Okay, so let's talk about the day that you were there and on the show. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is there are multiple episodes filmed on the same day.
2: Yeah, so typically they'll tape five to six shows a day. Mine was a six-day taping. So in in my case, they were filming for Great American Cities Week uh, honoring the San Francisco Bay Area. And so that was the first five shows of the day and then the 6th game uh they just call it America's game it's like the generic you know non special themed week and then they just intersperse those episodes throughout the season so you know they'll do a, a special theme week honoring a city or like you know it's surf and safari week or cruise getaway week and then occasionally they'll just have generic episodes like mine
1: so you were th- uh you you said yours was the last one filmed that day correct did they did they tell you to show up at a certain time Later in the day, or how did that uh, work?
2: No. So, we all have to be there at the same time in the morning, bright and early, 7 30, because we all have to get our briefing by the production team, the legal department, the contestant coordinators. It is a marathon event. So, the shuttle picked us up at the hotel that we were staying at nearby at 7 a.m., got to the studio by 7 30. And I f- believe, if I'm not mistaken, I was off the lot after the, the end of the show taping and after I signed all my paperwork and getting ready to get a, a lift to the airport at 6:45 or 6:50 p.m.
1: that is a long day it sure was and especially since your show was the last one and you know you're supposed to come on like you're fresh and enthusiastic and chipper <laughs> and uh that's and that I mean that's the end of a long day and you're probably feeling kind of tired already
2: it it, it was pretty exhausting um just we were more or less sequestered. So after call it 815, 830 in the morning, you know, we have to put our cell phones in a locked storage cabinet that we don't have access to until after our show is taped and after we're signed and released and ready to go home. So there was just a lot of information, a lot of coaching, rules, regulations, standards and practices, paperwork to fill out. So, it, you know, we were very busy the whole time, but it, it is just a completely different experience because of the sequester aspect.
1: It's so kind of like being on a jury, sort of, it sounds like.
2: In a sense, but, but it is it, it was really entertaining to be able to watch the other five games being played. So you kind of get a sense for how to comport yourself and what sorts of things that the production team's looking for and kind of learn what to do and what not to do.
1: Yeah, that does seem like it would give you a little bit of an edge to learn from maybe the mistakes that the ones that went before you made. Do they? Do they give you any? Was there a rehearsal? Did they give you any kind of instruction?
2: Yeah. So, so we actually did get a a pretty thorough rehearsal. So, um, you know, in the morning we we drew lots to see which uh, of the eighteen contestants would be playing against each other and in which order, and then we drew you know numbers to figure out which player would be in which position behind the wheel so that was already set out towards the beginning of the day and then in the later morning we finally got released from the green room we got to go into the studio stand behind the wheel take our promo photos they lined us all up started adjusting the height of the podiums to make sure that we were all equally looking on camera and then they gave us spin technique lessons. So, you know, they teach you the, the fine art and, and finesse behind spinning a, a 2200 pound wheel.
1: That is a heavy wheel. So w- what is the uh, the trick to it then?
2: What they advise is they want you to do this like thumbs up sort of grip. So you, you wrap your four fingers around the spoke and you leave your thumb up. You reach past the flipper of the player to your right. And you pull it towards you and push away.
1: I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with CookUnity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV, and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked, so when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day, I heat it for a few minutes, and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is
0: just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what.
1: Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science, and all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature, and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try.
0: Trust your gut with Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what.
2: And, I was, and and they were very adamant about it. You know, we we all got tons of practice spins and they were just almost like drill sergeants perfecting our technique and making sure we we did it right because they didn't want us having rings on our fingers getting caught or anything like that.
1: Yeah, that's something I wouldn't even have thought of. Do they tell you to over enunciate? Because it really yeah. sounds like when people are saying words that that's not how normal people talk.
2: Yeah, that's definitely one thing that the production team stresses and they actually in the green room right before we started, they have us do like almost diction exercises and just say things like hitting, dancing, like, you know, just making sure that your your letters are clear and crisp because with so many letters sounding very similar like T and D and N and M, they just want to make sure that the show flows properly and they don't have to constantly be like, did you mean N is in Nancy
1: or M is in Mary? Yeah. I've never heard Pat ask anyone that because I'm sure it's probably happened in the decades that he's been doing this show. But yeah, they, I'm sure they, they, they do all this to plan ahead for stuff that they know they can anticipate might go wrong.
2: Exactly. And they also, you know, are cognizant of players come from all across the country so they may have a, a regional dialect that, that could affect, you know, how they, how they say certain things. Like I have a friend from New Jersey who pronounces water, like water, and there's almost like an O sound to it. So they, they're, they're cognizant of these sorts of things because it could sound a slightly different for somebody else that it would be for me. And, and, but it's still technically a correct answer.
1: Now you mentioned on the show that you, uh, you perform with the San Francisco gay men's chorus. It, did that the fact that you are on stage sometimes did that help you in during the game?
2: Uh, I really think it did. Um, it was I think beneficial for a number of reasons. You know, primarily of which I I'm used to being on the stage. I'm used to being in front of a, a crowd. Um, I've been a soloist with the chorus before, so I've had those kind of uh, high intensity spotlight moments that could be pretty nerve wracking um so so that definitely prepared me just for the the nuances of being on stage and uh under bright lights but also from from the perspective of having clear diction and a loud projecting voice which is two things that they always really like to have contestants have on stage so combine that with some decent puzzle solving skills i think it, it made for uh a good contestant.
1: You were. You've been training for this for a long time.
2: Huh? Oh yeah. You know, it's funny. My my parents will tell me stories of when I was about two and a half, three years old. I would toddle around the house and be like, "Mom, I want to buy a vowel." <laughs> so they, <laughs> my, my parents credit me or credit Wheel of Fortune with teaching me how to read at a, a very young age. And so that that show's always been a part of my life. My uncle was on it in 1981, I believe. And you know, I, I just like following in his footsteps.
1: Wow. 81. That show has been on forever. I, I don't know when it, when did it, do you know the year it first started?
2: Oh, uh, I want to say it was late seventies. I feel like I should know this, uh, given just how much I've read about the show, uh, in the intervening time, but you know, it is, it's definitely late seventies. They're on season 37 right now of the the current primetime, uh, iteration, but you know, they've been daytime versions. They've been special Evening primetime editions. Wheel two thousand was a thing briefly, um, but yeah, the the core Wheel of Fortune primetime experience as we know it is uh, in season thirty seven,
1: and it's changed quite a bit as well over the years. I remember back in the early versions, you know, at the end, you didn't get cash; you could pick from all the kind of the junky prizes. That they oh yeah, sitting the, on the, the stage, you know, the ceramic Dalmatian and the infamous you know, Dalmatian. <laughs> I'm sure people are glad now they get to, they get stuff that's a little more valuable. Can you talk about your opponents, George and Chad, and uh, how did you, uh, how did you get along with them?
2: You know, we have a chance to really get to know our, our fellow contestants pretty well during the taping day. Um, like I said, we were there all together since seven 30 in the morning through middle of the evening, like dinner time. So we, we got to know each other pretty well, just hanging out. In between briefings and hair and makeup and, and watching all the other games being taped, I thought they were both pretty entertaining guys. You know, it's very rare for there to be three men playing all together uh, on Wheel of Fortune, especially when it's not a military themed week or like Father's Day week. If I recall correctly, the last time there had been three male contestants in one show
1: was something like 2014. But the names are, you said you drew the, na- or they drew the names randomly, right?
2: Yeah. So what, what happened with my episode, um, I mentioned there were five, the first five episodes being taped were all for the, um, San Francisco Bay area themed week. And so since I had been a San Francisco resident for 12 years, just prior to moving, uh, before my taping. They had me as an alternate for the San Francisco shows. So they said, okay, in the event that we have somebody who bailed and can't make it or you need to step in, we'll have you fill in for one of the first five shows. Otherwise, you'll tape in show number six. It turns out they had two, they had one other alternate besides me. Uh, and she was also on the on the docket to be a fill-in for the San Francisco shows. They had one vacancy, so they they drew lots. Uh, I basically had a 50-50 shot of being in one of those first five games or being at the end. Turns out I was show number six as planned. And so to fill out the other two slots for, the, for my show, they had four local LA area alternates, two men, two women, and then we drew lots to see who would be my two opponents. And they just happened to pick the two guys.
1: So it was George and Chad. Yep. And so you got to know them sort of throughout the day.
2: Exactly. Um, you know, I, I thought they were, they were pretty fun. We had some, some pretty good camaraderie going on, um, you know, kind of joking about like, when's the last time you've seen three guys playing wheel of fortune? I think one of the, one of the jokes as we're all standing up there. It's like, yep, yeah, this is wheel of fortune, white male privilege edition, which, you know, it definitely, definitely had that, that kind of feeling. Like when you look and see all of that on stage, one of the things I thought was fascinating was before we started taping, like Just about the the time that we were about to start rolling camera, we're putting the final adjustments on our podiums to make sure we were all going to be the same height on camera. And Chad looks to both of us and says, man, savor this moment, boys. And I'm like, you know what? That's that's a really cool, great thought. And then he ends it with, especially you, Dave, because this is the only time you're ever going to be as tall as the rest of us. Mm. And for, for the record, you know, I'm about like five, six and a half ish and, and everybody else on stage had about, you know, three inches or more height on me, but I just was kind of taken aback by that. And I'm like, that seems a little unnecessary, but okay. Like, I don't know if that's your, your psych out technique or, or whatever have you, but if that's the way you want to operate, then, then let's play this game.
1: Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and you were up for that challenge, obviously. Certainly. The game itself, obviously everybody knows how it's played, but for the bonus round, is this is that part a little more dependent on luck as opposed to the regular part of the game?
2: To a certain extent, you know, luck and skill are definitely both things that are required to be a great Wheel of Fortune contestant. I mean, you could have some of the best puzzle solving skills in the world, but if you keep Keep hitting bankrupt or lose a turn on the wheel, that does you no good. Conversely, you can get a a $5,000 spin on the wheel, and if you guess a dud letter, well, then you've lost control of the board, and now it's your opponent's turn. So it's really the combination of the two that's essential. And the bonus round, you know, does it is almost always harder. Uh, These puzzles tend to have more interesting adjectives and and you know words that aren't as common um and letters that aren't as common and you know you have the choice of three different categories for your bonus round puzzle before you get there so you know there is some luck to that i think i had the choice between event thing and phrase and i chose phrase because i thought thing was too generic and so it turns out that the phrase that i chose happened to be something that i was able to recognize and and capitalize on
1: and what was that phrase
2: in a roundabout way.
1: <laughs> and I love how you still say it very clearly.
2: <laughs> oh, I I know. It's just, it, it's one of those things I rewatch it. And it's been really fun because if you look closely, you can, you know, it's my little head in the circle at the bottom of the screen. And I'm looking at the puzzle. I'm looking at the puzzle. And he asked me for my four consonants. And then you can see my, eye, my eyebrows raise up and this, you know, shit eating grin on my face when I figured it out. And then, you know, I call a W and a B just oddball letters and, and Pat starts to chuckle. He's like, Oh God, why did we even bother? Like he knows it. Just give him his money and, and, and we'll all go home.
1: Yeah. He was making jokes throughout the, throughout the game that, you know, cause every time you win a round, he walks over to you and finally the last time, He said, Hey, come over here. I'm tired of walking over there. You come over to me. That threw
2: me off guard, but he is, he is so on top of his game in terms of, uh, witty comebacks and making people feel at ease under the bright studio lights. And even when, when people are getting trounced pretty hard, it's, you know, he's, he's the shoulder to cry on.
1: (laughs) He is, he really is almost the perfect game show host. Because he has the right level of humor and dialogue, and obviously he's done this for so long. He makes a lot of money. But Yeah,
2: and actually, I, I like to joke, um, I believe if my research and my math is correct, I made more than double what he made uh, for filming the same episode.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Of course, what is it? he only works like one day a week or something, right? They yeah, do they all of them. Typi-
2: typically do like four to five taping days a month uh, during the the middle of the season. So, you know, I believe it's something like fifty two thousand an episode that he makes. And so, you know, my total cash and prizes winnings was about one hundred thirteen thousand. So if you do the math. I was I cleaned up a little better than Pat did that day, <laughs> or at least at least for that half hour.
1: He's gonna do okay though.
2: Yeah, he'll he'll live.
1: <laughs> Now, one thing that I, I read is uh, you broke 100,000 in winnings the hard way. Yep. Can you describe that? What does that mean?
2: So the the top prize in the bonus round, if nobody uh, takes the million dollar wedge into the bonus round from the main game, which is, you know, one tiny little sliver of the wheel, you have to land on it. You have to call a correct letter. You have to hit no bankruptcy the rest of the game. It's kind of a, a long shot for that to happen. but. In absence of that, if you make it to the bonus round, the top prize you're playing for potentially is $100,000. Uh, there's 24 spaces on the bonus round wheel. You know, You spin, you pick up the envelope that you land on, and that's the prize you play for. So typically... Six figure winners on Wheel of Fortune only happen when somebody wins the 100,000 in the bonus round because the next highest prize is 50,000 cash, which I think may only have one or two spaces on that wheel. So not only would you have had to have had a pretty strong showing in the main game like win 50, 60,000, then get a really high dollar cash prize in the bonus round. That's the only other way to, you know, reach six figures without hitting six figures itself in the bonus round.
1: Okay. Here's what everybody wants to know. Uh Uh-huh. What is Vanna like?
2: Uh, Vanna white is legitimately one of the most authentically sweet human beings. I think I've ever met in my lifetime. And I'm so happy to be able to say that because I know the common wisdom and the old adage is like, never meet your heroes but she was absolutely worth meeting. One thing I will never forget was sitting there in the green room. It was eight 8:30 8. in the morning. We're getting our, our briefing from the production team or the legal team, or, you know, somebody's giving us more paperwork and information and our heads are spinning and who should walk into the green room, but miss Vanna white herself before hair and makeup, still in street clothes. And she was carrying like a a little purse that had her name, Vanna white in puzzle letters with some of the vowels missing. It was just very iconic. It was, you know, we're all fangirling and freaking out. And, you know, I I noticed that there's some vowels missing on, on her, on her bag and her name. And so when there was kind of a lull in, in the uproar, I said, Vanna, can I buy a vowel? I'm sure she's never heard that one. But then she she turns to me and says, "Honey, I'll give you a vowel." And from that moment on, I was I was like, "This is this is happening." I, like pinching myself.
1: She is it's again, that's just a name that everyone knows. She's like a uh, an icon for America for game She show.
2: she really is and you know, when I after I won my car in, in the bonus round, you know, I got to have some chit-chat with her and Pat uh on stage. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, I've run over to the car with my dad who was in the audience with me. I, I hop in the passenger seat and she's standing right the, outside the car, clapping, smiling, you know, congratulations. Like I heard you needed a new car anyway. Like, this is amazing. Like she w- she was so authentically joyous for everybody who came through the studio that day.
1: That is awesome. You know, when you do something as many times in as many years as she has, it would be really easy to just go through the motions but that's cool that she's genuinely happy for you. And I was going to ask you who that was. I saw the man on the, on the stage with you when you were in the car yep. at the end. So that was your dad.
2: That was my dad. So I I absolutely would have loved to have both my parents there. But uh, unfortunately, at the time, my puppy was a little too young and wasn't fully vaccinated. So we couldn't really have him kenneled. Um, so my mom volunteered to to stay home and, and be a guardian for the puppy uh, while I was down in L.A. and. She got to watch from home afterwards.
1: That's what moms do. Oh yeah.
2: She's, (laughs) she's always there for me for everything.
1: Was there anything that surprised you about when you were there in person that you didn't expect?
2: Uh, the wheel is surprisingly small, uh, much smaller than, than what I imagined it would be. And the puzzle board was much larger than I expected it to be. The wheel itself, I would say is probably only about five to six feet in diameter. So it is small and hefty and the the puzzle board is you know if you're if i'm up there at the stage and i'm looking at it it takes up at least 3 quarters of my field of vision so it's pretty in your face
1: i wonder how do they determine contestants uh, qualification based on eyesight and, the, and since the board is so big it's okay if you can't really if you don't have perfect vision you'll still be able to see it
2: i don't know about that but i i know one of the criteria that they looked for in you know the in person auditions was You know, obviously puzzle solving skills, loud, clear diction, logical letters. And then there was also a five minute written test that I, that you take at the callback audition. So they give you 16 partially filled in puzzles with categories, and then you have five minutes to fill in as many of the blanks as possible.
1: Did you fill them all in?
2: No, they actually didn't tell you the score afterwards. There were definitely a couple that I left blank, but I'm pretty confident I had at least 11 or 12 of them, if not a couple more.
1: All right, let's talk about the money. Your total dollar amount for winnings was 113,000. How did that And
2: $55? Let's let's not huh? forget the 55. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> okay. How did that break down from cash and prizes and you had a trip in there, I think.
2: Exactly. So, the the face value is uh 60,900 in cash. The trip to Barbados for two they valued at 10,990 and the BMW X2 that I won in the bonus round was valued at 41,165.
1: Your taxes though are based on the overall dollar amount, right?
2: Cor- to a certain extent. Yeah, so so everything that I won has to be um, you know, is considered taxable income at both the state and federal level. And so, you know, I'm paying basically marginal tax rate on on everything. Now, the thing with the trip, they stated the value of the trip is 10990 during the show, but they always pick the most inflated value they can find for that trip, just to make the numbers look better and more exciting on TV. But when it actually comes time to book, the price I actually pay for those accommodations, or you know, the price that the, the production company pays at the time of booking, is what I'll be able to claim on my taxes. So based on research, and I don't know if the prices are just artificially depressed right now because of the, the the ongoing pandemic, but I've determined that this trip in reality probably won't cost more than about four grand.
1: That's quite a difference.
2: It is quite a difference, but it just means I'll only have to pay taxes on four grand instead of almost 11.
1: When do you get the money and the car?
2: So the standard is that you have a, you'll you get your check for your winnings 120 days after air date, so about four months, and then the car should come about five months after air date. I've been hearing from other recent contestants that because the production office or the production of the show is more or less shut down, they're not taping any new episodes, but people are still working from home and processing all the winnings from previous contestants, that things have been ahead of schedule by about a month. So I'm anticipating getting my winnings uh, in August, but it could come in July if things are, are holding up according to current patterns.
1: So uh, I'm sure you've probably talked to an accountant or a tax specialist to, to make sure you optimize everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do have a tax guy that I will be talking to, but my, my educational background is in accounting and finance. And so, you know, I, I kind of have a good sense of, where to go as as a baseline but you know this is the first time that I'm you know I have unemployment income and I sold a house and I have you know a big 1099 game show income and uh it's a very complicated tax year so and, and tax isn't my specialty so I'm definitely going to uh, recruit some outside help for that
1: leave that to the specialist definitely yeah
2: one of the fun things um because it's 1099 income you're considered an independent contractor for that one day like you know as a game show contestant you're actually able to write off your flight and your hotel and your meals and your transportation for the taping. So, you know, I made sure to keep all those receipts and get my Lyft driver a $35 tip coming back to the airport because I was wanting to spread a little bit of the wealth and I knew I'd be able to write it off anyway.
1: And those were all expenses that you incurred in order to get that income. So Precisely. Seems like there's no question about that. Are they, because of the pandemic, and I should mention, we're recording this in early May of 2020, you know, everyone's quarantined and, uh, and this whole thing's going on around the world. Is there, do you know, is there going to be like a gap in airing of shows if they're not recording any new ones right now?
2: Yeah. So the, the season, if I'm not mistaken, typically ends in July. So my episode taped on March 12th. And the very last day of taping before shutdown was March 13th. So I was among the very last episodes to be filmed. We had no studio audience as a health and safety precaution. Um, If you watch the uh, episode, you'll notice that Pat wasn't touching any of the contestants. So normally he would like put his hand on your shoulder when he comes to talk to you. Or, you know, if you were a lady, he would walk uh, walk you by the hand from the bonus wheel to your mark on the stage. But yeah, we didn't have any of that there have there were two weeks that were filmed earlier in the season but they were i think like travel or cruise themed weeks and so they deemed it not really appropriate to air right now uh, amidst the the pandemic and everything that's going on so they have two weeks of episodes canned that could potentially be aired but other than that as of tonight may 1st they're running out of they're out of new episodes for season 37 and it will be all reruns till the end
1: you know they've got like 30 years worth of reruns (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they're gonna run out of that they're they're not they're not hurting are you gonna keep the car
2: i i get that question a lot and as as much as i would love to unfortunately i'm i'm probably gonna end up selling it just because i can't really justify upgrading a car to a car like that that's that drastic above what i already have like right now i have a a 2006 scion that i've had for about nine years there's 90k on the clock it runs like a kitten and i cost me nothing to operate uh i got a quote for just the insurance on the bmw that i won and just the insurance alone is going to be almost triple what i'm paying now on my current car and that doesn't even take into account you know having a, a premium gas bill and and all of that. So I figured just pay the taxes to take the car and then turn around and sell it and get five figures out of it and and put the money to better use.
1: I think that's smart. So are you able to, I know there's probably a local dealer there in Culver city or or in LA that provides cars for the show. Do you work a deal with that person or that dealer to give it back to them or how, how would you do that?
2: So so that's the thing I was told, like, don't bother contacting them until, you know, like after the taxes are paid and everything and they can actually, you know, legally release the car to me. And that paperwork doesn't start until about 90 days after the show airs. So I have some time to think about it. I think it, it's really dependent on the dealership. Some people have said that, like, yeah, you can basically get whatever the value of the car was on the show as a credit towards anything on the lot. So if I didn't want the X2 specifically, like maybe they had something else that was more my speed and I can just take ownership of that instead. But truth be told, I'm really not much of a BMW guy and I won from a BMW dealership. So there's not a lot I can do there.
1: So for the cash that you're going to have after the taxes are all paid, what, do you have plans for that?
2: Yeah, I've, I've done some back of the napkin math and I I figured without any other interesting tax things that I might not be aware of. Uh, and after I sell the car for what I can get for it, I should have about sixty five grand in actual usable cash. So one of the things I had planned for that was putting some new siding on my my little mobile home by the beach here. So it's more of a just a cosmetic thing and and to keep the value of the home up. But, you know, if I'm gonna be here for a while sheltering in place, it might as well look a little nicer. Um, I've been doing other little fix up projects around the house. My parents need a new, washing machine because theirs went on the fritz, so I just bought them one recently. My brother's mobile home needs a little bit of uh help on the roof and some some of the pavement in the driveway, so helping them out with that. Other than that, I'm just gonna be boring and, you know, save and invest like I have been doing and make this uh nest egg work for me a little bit.
1: Spreading the wealth around that's just a confirmation that you're you're not a BMW guy. <laughs>
2: No. And and that's the thing. It's like, you know, I could drive this super fancy car and burn through my pockets a little faster, or I could, you know, sell the, the car and use the money for better things.
1: Yeah. Do some good. Right. Are you planning to be on any other game shows? Have you thought about that?
2: Um, I'm definitely I mean, you seem
1: like a natural for it, you know, I,
2: I game shows I I've been kind of obsessed with, you know, I would watch game show network all the time as a kid, like vintage game shows, for whatever reason, speak to a part of me that I, I just can't get enough of them. I've auditioned for jeopardy every year since 2007, which is the first year they introduced the online test. Uh, I've made it to callback auditions twice. So I did once in 2007 for the teen tournament when I was right on the cusp of turning 18, and then once, uh, I believe it was last year or two years ago. So I've gotten very close within striking distance to Jeopardy as well. But there there is a, a cool-off period of sorts. So because of my appearance on Wheel of Fortune, I'm generally not able to appear on other game shows for at least 12 to 18 months from my original air date. So... I can still do it. I've had actually a friend in the gay men's chorus who was on both wheel of fortune and jeopardy. So it is definitely possible, but I just have to be patient and bide my time a little bit.
1: I heard this story that you actually saved the life of another member of the gay men's chorus by donating part of your liver. You want yeah. to tell us about that? What happened there?
2: Uh, that's, that's true. So uh, I joined the chorus in, fall of 2015. And it was right after the time that a fellow member of the chorus by the name of Ross Woodall was getting too sick to continue singing with the chorus. So he bowed out. So we actually our paths never really crossed when we were in the chorus separately. And then he came back in one of the the rehearsals that next season just to say hi to everybody because he missed seeing everybody. He missed being there every week. And, you know, he got up on stage during Our break and made an announcement that just kind of took me by surprise. He said, "Oh, by the way, you guys, you know, I'm still looking for a liver. It's been seven and a half years, and I can't find anyone on the on the deceased transplant list. And so they're they're advocating for a living donor uh, as as the best option. And I'm like, that takes a lot of courage and bravery to you know stand up in, in in a room of almost 300 guys, you know who who you know well, but to to ask for." Something of that magnitude, and so I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta go meet this guy. So during our break, I went up and I, I talked to him and just said, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to to have to make an ask like that, and you know, to be waiting for seven and a half years and and make that sort of last ditch effort. And he he had some pamphlets and said, hey, if you're interested, like I know we literally just met, but here's the website to UC San Francisco. Uh, and their, their screener, you know, you can just start, you know, start with a blood type test. And like, that would be the first step to find out if you're even eligible from that perspective. And so I figured, I'm like, I'm young and healthy, and I don't even know what my blood type is. So this might be just a good excuse to get that done. And he, I ended up getting my blood type tested. I'm O positive, he's B positive. So that was compatible. And they said, Hey, like, this is a match. You want to want to keep going? I said, Okay, why not? And so they, I spent two days uh, at UCSF just being poked and prodded every which way they scanned everything possible x-rays, MRIs, ultrasounds, like you name it. And then every test that they did, they kept checking off the boxes. They're like, yep, this works, this works, this works. You're young, you're healthy, no other conditions and your liver's just the right shape and size. And so it ended up being that I, of all people was, was the right match for that. And so uh you know with the blessings of my parents uh, it was January 27th 2017 we both went under the knife i was under for about 8 or 9 hours he was under for about 11 12 hours and we both came out the other side happy and healthy
1: that is incredible and for someone that you really didn't even know
2: yeah but you know we we got to know each other really well through the whole thing so you know once once we found out that i was a match started to get to know him better we actually ended up we were singers in the same section. We were both upper second tenors, but we didn't know that until we got to know each other. So had we both been in the chorus at the same time, we would have been singing the same same notes with each other. I found out that he also played accordion, like I play accordion. Um, and just the more we got to talking, the more we realized there were all these similarities between us that just seemed too coincidental to be coincidence. <laughs>
1: That is great to be able to, to do that for someone and be willing to do that for someone. And, you know, who says nice guys finish last?
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, nice, nice guys sometimes uh, get the third highest uh, main round score of Wheel of Fortune of all time.
1: That's right. Well, Dave, that's a great story. I love hearing this kind of thing. I'll have the video of your show on uh, on the website and the show notes for this episode so people can go and watch that. And um, thanks for thanks for sharing your story.
2: Thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, I can't wait to see the final product.
1: All right. I hope you enjoyed that one. Dave's a great guy. So it's nice to see him win that money. And before we head out the door, I wanted to let you know how you can get involved and connect with me and the other people who listen to this show. Probably the best way is to join our private Facebook group, which is at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. There's lots of great discussions in there. Hey, you remember Dan, the prison consultant from last episode? He's in there answering questions, and several other past guests are members of that group as well. You can also follow me on Instagram. I think I have like 8 or 9,000 followers over there, and that's growing all the time, and I post something kind of odd or unusual almost every day there. My Instagram is what was that like? If you want to go check that out. And I'm ramping up my Twitter. I know Twitter is really huge for having conversations, so you can always contact me there. And my Twitter handle is wwtlpodcast. And the show is in lots of other places, too. I'm not going to give you all the links to all these places here, but you can find What Was That Like on YouTube, Roku, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher iHeartRadio, Radio Radio Public, Podchaser, Reddit. We even have our own subreddit for this show. And links for all of those are on the podcast website at whatwasthatlike.com. Thanks again for being a listener, and especially for telling your friends about the show. I'll see you in two weeks.